Which, like, you call it soda, right? Like, you don't call it pop. No, I... I have resisted efforts by other people in Indiana to force me to call it pop. Because it's soda. Yeah. Yeah, Katie was trying to tell me that everybody says pop. And I'm like, no. <laughs> w- where do you live? I mean, I do know a lot of people who look at me weird when I call it soda. But you know, but, I, but but you're right. But I, I just ignore them. You're not always right, but in this instance you are. Yep. I don't try to be always. Hello and welcome to Journey Through the DecaCast, a common writer retrospective through the lens of Decade, where I am Shin Garrett. I'm Evan. And I'm Chris. And this week we watched Common Rider Amazons, episode six, yeah. for what yeah. I fight. It's a pretty cool episode. We were going to start recording it about 40 minutes ago, but then we started talking about mobile games for a while. I'm glad those aren't on recording. Uh, gotcha games are great. It was super meandering and pointless, so now we should be more directed. I feel like I could go into the Kamen Rider mobile game, but I don't want to. There's a, there's a Kamen Rider mobile? Yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't it basically fake Grand Order for Kamen Rider? I mean, so there's like three. Two? <laughs> I think it's just two. There's there's a couple, but they're all in Japanese and like, and like okay. kanji's hard. I saw that they were doing a uh, like a actual like trying to be current gen version of a Heisei game where it had like O's and W and oh. like, one of the other writers in it. Do you know what's super cute about that? What? So um, it's zero one double. Who transforms using two Gaia memories and O's who uses three metals. One, two, three. Technically That's zero, fun. one, two, three. That's fun. So yeah, but uh yeah, I saw some stuff from it. It looked pretty cool. Yeah, it looks pretty good. That it seemed like they were gonna tr- they were like, Okay, we've made a ton of games where we just have all the common raiders, so let's just narrow it down and include all the stuff for these three instead. Yeah, it looks it like looks uh, it looks less musui musoe. Muso seems like it would be weird for Common Rider anyway, because it's like almost always one on one fights. If it was for Showa, it makes sense. I mean, I okay, so yeah, I haven't seen that much Showa stuff, but Heisei Rider is almost always one on one fights from what I've seen. It depends. Uh, anyway, just, uh, we we watched I, Amazon two on two. Like. Amazons. Uh, Amazons is, is a good, good show. That's... Yeah, this episode of Amazons was super good. Like it's not even like a lukewarm take at this point. Like it's just good. It's a good show. I like it. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I was being a little bit more resistant before, but I think they really won me over in this one. I, I like this episode a lot. It's super good. Yeah, I agree. 
I mean, there could like, have been more murder this episode, but I mean, <laughs> the main character has like more of a concrete motivation now. He seems like a cooler guy that you can relate to and stuff as a protagonist. Like the rival character is defined as very distinct from him. So yeah, he's like now suitable to be a good rival. There's like some drama going on. Yeah. Good episode. I, I did like I should have seen the answer coming for Haruka's motivation, but just like the the fuck fuck you, I will just mess up bad people is is a pretty good take. Yes, I'll, I'll it is very much a thing of hey, I'm just gonna in order to protect the people I decide I need to protect and also fight the Amazons, because that's fun. But only the bad ones. Only the bad ones. Because Mamoru is a perfect boy, and you cannot do anything to him. <laughs> Mamoru is a sweet, perfect boy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a big part of why this episode works so well. Is what finally moves Haruka out of his "I don't know what to do" super is he like sits down and has lunch with Mamoru, and it's like, what? Why? Did, why would anyone want to hurt my boy? My boy is adorable. How dare they? I'll kill everyone who wants to hurt Mamoru. And then Haruka's like, Jin, you even want to kill Mamoru? And Jin's like. Did I stutter? <laughs> All Amazons I will murder, and then myself, because I am one. Yeah, I'm like, does does that also include Haruka and himself? So, if so, that's pretty committed, but an odd choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, I, he... don't, I'm, I get the feeling it's definitely going to change the further we go on, but this is enough to get him started. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, Jin's makes sense, because, like, because he's just, like, he feels, it seems he feels responsible for creating, like, am, for working on am, Amazon cells in general. It's de- it's not an illogical motivation, but it's definitely, like, a abdicating the moral complexity of the situation motivation. Yeah. Which just sucks, though, because he's, he's going to have to kill his girlfriend at some point, and she's awesome. He's going to kill Amazon? his girlfriend? Yeah, she's an Amazon. When did this happen? Yeah. Oh, am I not supposed to know that yet? I don't know that. No, it hasn't even come up in the show. Oh. My bad. reading ahead in the wikis? (laughs) Maybe. Why are you doing that, Garrett? Um, Garrett. It's just like whenever I watch something with Rachel and she reads ahead in the Wikipedia plot so that she can pretend to know all the twists ahead of time. But just watch the show. I I liked Nanaha, so I read her wiki page. But it's obviously going to have spoilers. (laughs) She's still the best. She is. She's great, but come on. Like, did you see when she snuck in with, like, the lab coat and the glasses? That was pretty badass, honestly. It was good. I was definitely like, wow, she's, she's serious about this. Yeah. I mean, she was like the badass, like like pull the ha- pull the hair out of the bun or whatever. Yeah, that that was fun. This That's when you know shit like, gets oh, real. Hey. Just a bit. Don't read ahead. Also, thermos of eggs. Not even cooked eggs. How would you like a dozen raw eggs in a thermos? Yes, I. I mean, I wouldn't, but I understand why Jin wants it. Because that is kind of like I guess chickens. Are perfect. 
again, I'm st- uh, also like one of the main, they bring it up a lot more in this episode that if you have a high protein diet, you're fine. So like, you're like it's it- just this real weird situation for the Amazons where I'm like, this isn't, if, if having a high protein diet is literally all you have to do, it, this is a much more avoidable situation than a lot Pretty of the characters much. have been making it out to be. I, I also have this one other question when they were talking about like Jin's backstory for a second. Um, so later on in the episode, we'll probably get to the episode summary at some point, but there's a point where the director lady, who's awful, and Jin are talking about basically what Jin did before, and they mentioned how they were about to, they were about ready to go to market with Amazons. What what fucking market is that? What <laughs> Who what is that? Who are gonna sell them to? It's hey, the, um, would you like to be a cannibalistic monster? Buy well, the new Amazon pack. No, it's probably you know bioweapons. Selling yeah. it to militaries. I mean, yeah, they're like, they're, hey, they're do definitely doing make, the whole. Do you um, want to find some of your soldiers and make them into horrific monsters that are able to fight and kill? humans pretty easily you just got to make sure to feed them enough meat hey it's hey, the Evan. umbrella umbrella corporation plan like it's literally just the resident evil thing but you yeah. know what though like they made fucking belts that just do that well they made belts that are able to control it i don't but, think the belt itself has any amazon in it it's more of a control system yeah, my one my what if one you just shoved the to... control system on a human i don't we don't know what happens yeah we haven't that hasn't been shown because Haruka's was specifically, like, we learn later in the episode, but Haruka's basically was specifically bred or made to be an Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't even know if it's spoilers at this point it, or not. Because, like, there's only so many ways you could become an Amazon by mixing and matching things. Well, yeah, well, we know one of them is you just jam some Amazon cells into yourself. That's the only one we have actually seen on screen now. And in Jin and Director Misazawa's conversation, he uh, she implies that uh, Haruka had been injected with Amazons. I is it is that implied? Yes, I kind of thought that she was saying that he was like a natural born Amazon. Yeah, but... I thought it was more the option because she specifically says he's a third type of Amazon. So I'm like. I feel like the only kind left is to inject an Amazon with human cells. Huh. I don't know. Maybe. Or to, like, just have two Amazons that, like, breed or something? Maybe. Assuming they can do that. Anyway, but uh, I was gonna say, my objection to the idea that this is, like, a straight-up Resident Evil plotline is, if they were going to sell the Amazons to other militaries or countries... Why would the head of international sales not know about it? Because he didn't know about it up until recently. So I'm like, either they were planning for this to be exclusively domestic, or they did not have a marketing strategy set up at all. And that's just irresponsible. Probably just didn't have a marketing strategy set up. <laughs> See, you, if you if your R&D team doesn't talk to your marketing team at all, then, then what are you even doing? Remember, they seem to have their own, like... The company seems, like, weirdly competitive. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we don't want our director of sales getting in on this. Eh, he seems like but, a jerk. That's well, Yeah, but he's still the director of sales. International like, that, sales. That's literally his job. 
I'm not like a I'm not like a business major or anything, but I am vaguely aware that this is actually a real strategy of company organizing where you set depart where departments are pitted against each other and each one has to produce independent results and like departments that do better get more funds and stuff. This is like a, a way that people actually organize companies. It's yeah. fucking horrific. And you should. Yeah. <laughs> it it sounds like an extremely stupid and inefficient idea, but I know that people do it. You shouldn't. Hi there, this is your editor Fletcher speaking, and I'm cutting in because this gives me the opportunity to quote one of my favorite business stories of all time. I am going to read an excerpt from the People's Republic of Walmart, which is a delightful book by Leigh Phillips and Michel Rozworski. Uh, it is fantastic if you enjoy any sort of business and or critical analysis like what you are about to hear within. I highly recommend buying a copy. Fantastic. One of the best reads of the last year. But we are not here to talk about Walmart. We are here instead to discuss Sears. And I am going to begin reading the abridged section of the book. Edward Lampert, libertarian fan of the laissez-faire egotism of Russian-American novelist Ayn Rand, had made his way from working in warehouses as a teenager, via a spell with Goldman Sachs, to managing a $15 billion hedge fund by the age of 41. In 2003, the fund he managed, ESL Investments, took over the bankrupt discount retail chain Kmart, launched the same year as Walmart. A year later, he parlayed this into a $12 billion buyout of a stagnating, but by no means troubled, Sears. At first, the familiar strategy of merciless, life-destroying post-acquisition cost-cutting and layoffs did manage to turn around the fortunes of the merged Kmart Sears, now operating as Sears Holdings. But Lampert's big wheeze went well beyond the usual corporate raider tales of asset stripping, consolidation, and chopping block use of operations as a vehicle to generate cash for elsewhere investments. Lampert intended to use Sears as a grand free market experiment to show that the invisible hand would outperform the central planning typical of any firm. He radically restructured operations, splitting the company into 30, and later 40, different units that were to compete against each other. Instead of cooperating, as in a normal firm, divisions such as apparel, tools, appliances, human resources, IT, and branding were now in essence to operate as autonomous businesses, each with their own president, board of directors, chief marketing officer, and statement of profit or loss. An eye-popping 2013 series of interviews by Bloomberg Businessweek investigative journalist Mina Kimes with some 40 former executives described Lampert's Randian calculus. If the company's leaders were told to act selfishly, he argued, they would run their divisions in a rational manner, boosting overall performance. He also believed the new structure, called Sears Holding Organizations, Actions, and Responsibility, or SOAR, the H is silent apparently, would improve the quality of internal data, and in so doing that it would give the company an edge akin to statistician Paul Podesta's unconventional use of metrics at the Oakland Athletics baseball team, made famous by the book and later film Moneyball. Lampert would go on to place Podesta on Sears' board of directors and hire Stephen Levitt, co-author of the pop neoliberal economics bestseller Freakonomics, as a consultant. And so, if the apparel division wanted to use the services of IT or human resources, they had to sign contracts with them. Or alternatively, to use outside contractors if it would improve the financial performance of the unit, regardless of whether or not it would improve the performance of the company as a whole. Kimes tells the story of how Sears' widely trusted appliance brand, Kenmore, was divided between the appliance division and the branding division. The former had to pay fees to the latter for any transaction. 
but selling non-Sears branded appliances was more profitable to the appliance division, so they began to offer more prominent in-store placement to the rivals of Kenmore products, undermining overall profitability. Its in-house tool brand, Craftsman, refused to pay extra royalties to the in-house battery brand, Die Hard, so they went with an external provider, again indifferent to what this meant for the company's bottom line as a whole. Executives began to attach screen protectors to their laptops at meetings to prevent their colleagues from finding out what they were up to. Units would scrap over floor and shelf space for their products. Screaming matches between the chief marketing officers of the different divisions were common at meetings and tended to agree on the content of the crucial weekly circular advertising specials. They would fight over key positioning, aiming to optimize their own unit's profits, even at another unit's expense, sometimes with grimly hilarious result. Kimes described screwdrivers being advertised next to lingerie, and how the sporting goods division succeeded in getting the Doodlebug minibike for young boys placed on the cover of the Mother Day's edition, Mother's Day edition of the circular. As for different divisions swallowing lower profits or losses on discounted goods in order to attract customers for other items, forget about it. One executive quoted in the Bloomberg investigation described the situation as dysfunctionality at the highest level. As profits collapsed, the divisions grew increasingly vicious towards each other, scrapping over what cash reserves remained. Squeezing profits still further was the duplication in labor, particularly with an increasingly top-heavy repetition of executive function by the now-competing units, which no longer had an interest in sharing costs for shared operations. With no company-wide interest in maintaining store infrastructure, something instead viewed as an externally imposed cost by each division, Sears's capital expenditure dwindled to less than 1% of revenue, a proportion much lower than that of most other retailers. Ultimately, the different units decided to simply take care of their own profits, the company as a whole be damned. One former executive, Seanick Dave, described a culture of warring tribes and an elimination of cooperation and collaboration. One business press wag described Lampert's regime as running Sears like the Colosseum. Kimes, for her part, wrote if there were any book to which the model conformed, it was less Atlas Shrugged than it was The Hunger Games. Thus, many who have abandoned ship describe the harebrained free market shenanigans of the man they call Crazy Eddie as a failed experiment for one reason above all else. The model kills cooperation. In the face of all this evidence, however, Lampert is unrepentant, proclaiming, Decentralized systems and structures work better than centralized ones because they produce better information over time. For him, the battles between divisions within Sears can only be a good thing. According to spokesman Steve Braithwaite, Clashes for resources are a product of competition and advocacy, things that were sorely lacking before and are lacking in socialist economies. He and those who are sticking with the plan seem to believe the conventional model of the firm via planning amounts to communism. They are not entirely wrong. Once again, I would like to recommend that you pick up The People's Republic of Walmart by Leigh Phillips and Michelle Rozorski if any of what you just heard was fascinating to you because it is full of stories like this and how, in fact, most of the successful capitalist businesses actually prove that centralized planning is one of the most successful models you can have due to the cooperation and near-perfect data that you can now gather as opposed to the cutthroat nature of, well, what you just heard. Thank you, and I'll now return you to the podcast you actually showed up for. So Amazons. Yeah, so Amazons. We should probably <laughs> actually go through this show. So yeah, let's let's do an episode recap then, since we've gone through some of the generalities now. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, we're here just like, the, the beginning part like doesn't appeal to me anymore, because it's just like the rest of the episodes just like has a, so much more to it. I mean, I, I there's like some pretty good uh, like uh, unspoken emotions like, going between Haruka and his sister in yeah. these opening scenes. Like, 
Yeah, like, the music and stuff is, like, really good, too. Like, the scenes are really good, but... Well shot. Yeah, and, like, mm-hmm. the music's, like, super good as per normal. Amazon says good music. That's fantastic fucking music. I, I love the bit, like, two minutes in, where uh, the monster just tries to, like, just fall on Haruka. <laughs> like, he punches yeah. him a few times and then it's just, like, belly flop. The the suit actor for the uh, the enemy Amazon in this does a very good job of showing that this is kind. Of, we learn it later, but it is just a like cocoon variant. It's like not actually ready, or yeah, it's it, not in it's its final a, form. It's a metapod. It's the metapod form, and it, the suit actor does a very good job of it showing to be kind of like slow and plodding and just. Bleh, bleh. Yeah, it can use string shot and tackle and harden, and that because it's the metapod. That's all it can do. Just about, pretty much. Yeah. So I mean, basically, the episode starts like Haruka comes in untransformed, saves Mizuki, and then Haruka gets like hit with string shot to the face. Um, it kind of like forms itself in like kind of like a wrecking ball shape thing. That was kind of neat. Yeah, I was. I was a little bit unclear on what was happening there because he should he just like, ejects a giant ball of string out of its front. Yeah, it's um, hmm, it's very weird. But like, then, I, I guess. But then Haruka has to transform in, in front of Mizuki, which doesn't super go anywhere. Um, yeah, he he like looks at her. I, I, there was definitely a moment where I was like, "Is he gonna transform in front of her?" And he he definitely thinks about it, and before he does it. Yeah, but, yeah, he, like, he has to... Like, he didn't really have a choice. Nope. Right. I mean, yeah, he doesn't... Like, everyone dying is the worst outcome here. Yeah. So then he does that. Um, the team shows up to to back him up. And then, like, Harka's, like, must protect Mizuki. And then he just sprouts blades. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the the monster knocks him onto the ground. And he's like, "Uh, gotta beat monster!" And just a huge number of giant spikes just shoot out of him and nearly impale everybody, including Mizuki and the team and yeah. the monster. Yep. Do you know what but it they reminded only hit the me monster. of? Uh, no, what Garrett? It reminded me of I think it's like right before Gurn Lagan does the Giga Drill Break, where just drills come out of everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, it just starts spreading drills to charge up the big drill. Yeah, it reminded me of that. And, uh, his transformation, he's like... It's a very good thing of him... It seems he's entirely based around wanting to protect Mizuki. And it's does, like, a yellow steam? It's weird. Oh, yeah. I did not notice that. Amazon Omega has much more versatile superpowers than a lot of the other common writers have. Yeah, I I think like there's just just like the lore is just like the belt can do whatever the fuck it needs to. Pretty much, you can just pull out that handle and it'll be whatever weapon you want it to be. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, because in the preview for the next episode, we see him pull out a comma. He's pulled out a comma before, but like he's also pulled out like a spear. He pulled out. I, has he pulled out a whip thing yet? I'm pretty sure there's a whip thing option. He used yes. his javelin as a whip once before it solidified. Yeah. So yeah, the Amazon driver just does the fuck whatever it wants. That's really good. One day I'll keep cursing to a light on this podcast. 
but we're watching the Mature show today, so you, you don't need to fucking do that. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, um, just, just the way that, uh, apparently with the belt you can make your Amazon cells do anything. It's, it reminds me, it's like a little JoJo's-ish, where you're like, breathing can make your body do literally anything. Man, I miss Haman. <laughs> it's like, uh, if you can control your cell growth, you can do just anything you want. Nano machines. That would be cool right now. Nano machines, son. Uh, we've been watching Gundam Double O, and every time they say nano machines, just it, I you just can't, I can't not say sun. I have to say sun every time. <laughs> oh, man, have, uh, fuck! What do they call the new types in Double O? Innovators. Innovators, yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a dumb name because I just think they're all friends with Elon Musk. Then. <laughs> I mean, okay, look, Gundam Double O came out in a different time. <laughs> a different 2008 time. A different 2000. Man, it feels a lot longer than 2008. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The last four years have aged us. <laughs> 2020 is feels like multiple years. Ugh. Yeah, the Amazon doesn't melt like all the other ones do. It just kind of goes inert. Yeah, uh, the team are like, hey, why isn't it melting? The others usually melt when they die. Like, guys, guys, guys. That means it's obviously not dead. Come on, you're smarter than this. Yeah, I'm surprised they like didn't like <laughs> go up to it and like, double tap it or something. Uh, they I, kick it? They don't want to because they the like the company wants to get further research data. I mean, do they get paid more for live samples? Um, I mean, they have to, they have to work into the conditions that the company sets for them, so. We have no idea what the full range of those is. Presumably they could cut their contract if they were like, we are not going to listen to you. Just a bit. The, the music he tries to get Haruka to, like, hey, what, what was that? What's going on? Uh, that's weird. How did you do that? And he's not really able to answer her. He just kind of stares. Right, yeah. The captain gives him a little bit of crap about the thing they were talking about the other day, about how he doesn't really have a motivation, and he's like, the fact that you don't have a resolve is why you nearly impaled us all to death. So, yeah, I don't, I still don't trust you. Yeah, I don't want to work with someone like that who I can't understand his motivations or if they're wishy-washy. But Sniper Rifle Guy picks up his aquarium magazine and hands it to Haruka, because... Yeah. He, he's like, oh, I understand you a little bit more now. Fuku is a... I really like Fuku as a character. And then he's they fun. make Shotgun Guy drive Mizuki home. <laughs> yes, in the in the cab. I really like... Uh, at first I just thought this was a weird scene, but it's a setup for a pretty great joke later on. Well, like, they've, they've always made Shotgun Guy do, like, the relation work. <laughs> he has. But, he's the one that has to deal with the public. That's true. I I hadn't noticed that, but yeah, he's he's not good at it. They just tell him to do it anyway. Well, I'm, I I mean, I guess he's good at it enough that they keep having him do it. <laughs> he's slightly less surly than the rest of them. Yeah, one of, and he one did, of these times I should learn his name. He did do a good job, like in the very beginning parts, with talking to people and distracting civilians. Oh, his name He's is just... Masaki. Masaki. Shotgun Mas... guy is Masaki? 
Uh, no, shotgun. Yeah, shotgun guy is Mizaki Kazuya. Okay. Okay. Well, Hark. Uh, Mizuki dries off while staring back at Haruka and wistfully saying his name, and then yeah, uh, the commander comes up and gives Haruka shit about him fighting. You almost killed all of us with your spike powers. Don't what? I don't like that. I don't like being almost impaled. It's he gives uh the the leader asks him, Hey, is that a friend of yours? Oh yeah, it's it's my I mean director Mizasawa's daughter. She's like a sister to me. Oh yeah, and even with that, you almost ki- you almost skewered her. Hmm. <laughs> well, Harka doesn't not... even be like, Hey, but I didn't <laughs> I may have almost impaled all of you, but I but didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> I only skewered the Amazon. So they all leave after uh, Commander finishes giving Haruka some shit, and yes, and then Fuku gives him his painting or his uh, book of book of aquariums back. Uh, I actually like the scene a little. Um, well, I like the scene a lot because uh, we get to see. It's the only time in the show I think so far we've gotten to see. Haruka's internal monologue. I don't remember them doing that at all up to this point. Not really. Also, the music in this scene's really good. But yeah, like, the music's good. We flash back through a couple of the things the other characters have said to him. And just, uh... Like, the fact that we hear his internal monologue at this point is really... It conveys this good feeling of, like, he's getting closer to something, but he's still not really quite there, but... Like, his thoughts are clearer. We are literally hearing them in a way that we hadn't been up until this point. Yeah. He, he needs to figure... He, he decides that he has to go talk to Jin to figure out, like, okay, I don't... I don't particularly know what I want to do. I, I have no idea. How does Jin make these sort of decisions? God, I gotta go talk to him. This actually... Yeah, that's a, a pretty reasonable decision. It won't be productive because Jin is, like, an obtuse weirdo, but, like, Harkin doesn't know that yet. I mean, it works out in the end. It does. Yeah, I mean, he figures it out eventually. Not really with Jin's help, though. Mm. Not really. Mm. Uh, we then cut back to Jin being in the... In a fucking... Basically a jail cell. <laughs> that is a small metal box lined with a whole bunch of electrical cables. Yeah, it's the Amazon version of the Magneto prison from the X-Men movies. He's and he's just like, oh, God, I'm fucking starving. Please, can you feed me? Give me meat. Give me meat. He's being very silly for a guy that's kidnapped in a small metal box. He's just trying to annoy them into giving him food. Probably, yeah. I assume he probably just like also knows that like they're not gonna fucking do anything with him. He knows too much. That's true. Right. Yeah. Uh. Director Misazawa is watching him and is, like, talk, thinking about, you know, oh, oh got to do science, science, science on him. Her assistant comes up and is like, hey, so Haruka was with the extermination team. He helped bring in this specimen that we're currently ha- at a... We got an intact subject of one of the Amazons. It's currently being studied at a secure location with the extermination team sitting and waiting to help right. in case something goes on. So they aren't totally unprepared for the fact that the thing might not be dead. But I mean, they have them in, like, separate rooms. Right. They're sitting out in the hallway just so they're 
extra sure that the monster will kill those scientists if it if anything goes wrong. The scientists are bait. <laughs> the uh, assistant dude also suggests that uh, Haruka's mom gets some sleep or take a break because I believe at this point she's been awake for more than a day. There's science to be done. Yeah, that fucking line of, no, I can't sleep. There's too much science to do. <laughs> I think she said there's data together. No, well, there's data together. I'm like, that's what you have assistance for. Let them gather the data. Now, the data will be there to look at when you wake work. up. Huh? Delegation doesn't work. <laughs> she does appear to not believe in delegation, which could explain why her department is having such a hard time competing with the other departments. Haruka, she gets a message that Haruka is at the front gate and wants to look, talk, speak with her. So he gets... The, 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 gu- the gate guards are like, alright, you can go talk to Dr. Miyazawa, we'll come with you. But before he can get very far, Mamoru pops out and is like, oh, hey! Hey, buddy! I'm so glad you're here! I'm a very good boy. <laughs> I don't like the director. She's scary. He is the goodest of boys. He's such a sweetie. Yeah, this he, is sweet. He, he, like, offers Haruka half of his hamburger and is like, hey, I'm glad you're doing okay. We're all going to, like, hang out together after we're be- after I'm better and stuff. It's going to be great. Maybe I'm just hungry, but, like, every time I'm just like, man, I could use a really <laughs> shitty fast food burger right now. I mean, honestly, the fact that the color grading is super green every time they, in all the scenes where a hamburger shows up, makes them not look very appetizing to me. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Haruka basically sits down with Mamoru and is like, Hey, so... Do you ever... So your thing, the reason you're fighting, or you like hamburgers and you like the team, do you ever... Do you ever think about that? Like, maybe... Maybe there's something more there, and Mamoru's just like, no, I just like hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, well, because Haruka's a little incredulous at first, like, is that really all that you do this for? Just just hamburgers on the team? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Haruka's like, I, I love you now. <laughs> <laughs> I must protect. You are Kawhi, and I must protect you. I guess Moe would be more, correct, more uh, accurate. Ignorance can be bliss. <laughs> but yeah, after a few minutes, uh, after they're sitting and eating together and having this conversation, Mamoru's uh, like, oh, eat your hamburger before the, the red Amazon guy takes it. He's here and he's scary. Every time I go by his room, he keeps saying, hey, buddy, hey, give me half your hamburger. <laughs> and Hark is like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go talk to him. So he does. And basically tries, it is, goes to Jin and is like, hey, I need information from you. I'll give you this hamburger. (laughs) If you, if you help me. And Jin reveals that everybody here is basically keeping him at, they're, they're barely feeding him. So that he doesn't gain his power. Right, yeah. Because if he... Presumably if he used the... Used his full Amazon power, he'd be able to break out of here fairly easily. Probably, yeah. 
but he doesn't have his belt either. Right, but they only need the belt to like be more directed. Like the Amazons are pretty strong even without the belts. That is indeed true. And we've seen them shrug off the electric shocks quite a bit. I mean, but Very not easily. that many electric shocks. <laughs> Basically, he goes in and is like, hey, I'll give you the food after you answer my questions. Why do you fight? How do you control your power? And Jin's like, oh, that must mean you're having trouble with these things. So, uh... I, I like I how he's, uh, he, he, um, is really surprised that Haruka's gonna hold out on the food for him at first. He's like, oh, you're, you're gonna play hardball with me? Jeez. After I, like, fed you and let you sleep in my place and stuff? Well, shared oh, you okay. so much. Shared the chicken with you and all that other good stuff? Okay, fine, sure, sure. Hey, I mean, I, I'll tell you, but I don't know how much help it'll be to you. We're different, you and I. Also, Haruka brings up the fact he's like, oh yeah, I like fighting dudes. Like, that's kind of scary. Yeah, he wasn't sure at first, but now he's like, I definitely like turning into an Amazon and killing things. It's like, every time I turn into an Amazon, I feel this part of me start taking over. Jin's like, oh, hey, that scares you? Does it frighten you? It's very Do you like murder? Like, oh, hey. That's strange. Jin's just kind of like, ah. Hey, give me the food. Give and food. And I'll tell you. Give food. <laughs> okay, fine. Before I it can really it. go... Well, yeah, you can go ahead, but before it goes any further, the director lady walks in. Yeah, she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna be spooky and evil. Yeah, this is where we learned that Jin became an Amazon of his own free will. And that he injected the cell. Like, the, the main difference between you and I is that I became an Amazon of my own free will. And we see, like, the immediate... A, a dramatization of the immediate, I guess, the time, like, right after he did it. Where yeah. he first transforms into his Amazon form. Yeah, he's in, like, a white lab coat and just, you know, freaks out, turns into a giant cloud of steam, and is, is the red Amazon. Yeah, it kind of looks like his belt form, just minus, like, the battle damage to it. I think the back of the head might be bigger than his uh, the belt form, too. Possibly. But, uh, yeah, otherwise it doesn't look that different when he has a belt on versus when he doesn't. Uh, we cut back to the, the cocoon, the Metapod Amazon, and Fuku is looking in on it through one of the view screens, and he notices that a hand punches through the, like, the belly of it and, like, wiggles around a bit. And Fuku realizes, oh, shit. I do oh, God, it's not actually dead. <laughs> Which, yeah. No, it's not dead, my dude. Like, no, you think? I'm shocked and surprised by this. Glad someone figured that out. This is where also where Jin explains, hey, Nozama's been trying to do this stuff for years. I worked in the development what the product I helped create was, and Mizuzawa comes in, Amazon sells. Yeah, like, we, we guessed that already. It's not that dramatic of a reveal. Not particularly. And uh, we get information about how... Well, the more information about Amazons is they're based off a different 
um, animals, they get... Yeah, they give the reasoning for, like, this is why Amazons can be different. And they can be able to mimic humans. I thought, like, the original Amazons were still humans, so I'm confused by the mimicking part. Yeah, I don't know, man. The, like, I thought, like, the batch of Amazons were, like, they got people and they injected Amazon cells in them. I thought that's what it was. Apparently not. Right, but it seems like it was, they didn't expect them to ever be able to turn back into humans, possibly? Maybe not. That might be what she means when she says they can imitate humans. Maybe? Or or it's just the type of racism of, like, oh, you're an Amazon now, you could never be human. <laughs> That also could be. Uh, shortly into this cover, into that conversation, we get introduced to this episode's super awesome monster of the week. Yeah, he's pretty great. I really love this guy. He looks like just a pile of purple jelly at first when it breaks out of the cocoon, but um, yeah, it's like a mosquito butterfly harlequin thing. Yeah. It's dressed. It's dressed. It's like a. It's got a cape and jacket. It's got like a cape jacket combo that are made out of butterfly wings, and then like a ruffle that uh with a like a witch type hat on it. Kind of okay. If you know what forty k inquisitors look like, he looks vaguely like an imperial inquisitor. <laughs> Just a bit. Okay, I can see that. But yeah, he's all multicolored, and uh, yeah, he mo uh, the suit actor moves really cool, too. It's like a fairly form-fitting suit, despite all of uh, the flair and accessories. So, uh, yeah, it's very intimidating and cool. I like this guy a lot. Yeah. Uh, so he starts attacking the scientists and sucking their blood. Oh, yeah. It's like, I, I, I got the feeling he was, like, dr instead of just, like, eating them... Like, most of the time, he, he's doing the thing of, oh, I'm a mosquito, I'm going to drain them into a husk. Oh, yeah, I Even guess we don't we really don't actually see, see what that. happens to those guys, but, yeah. It cuts back to director Misazawa, who is basically explaining, oh, yeah, we were doing this, and then something happened, and there was an accident, and then we knew we had two years before we would have to stop this. I need, we took, started taking countermeasures, the extermination team was one of them. But hey, we didn't expect to actually see you wearing that belt. Hey, what's up with that? Can you explain that, please? And about Jin's there's when the conversation gets cut short, I believe. A little bit after, because Jin is like, oh, hey, I decided that I'll be the one to clean up my own mess. Oh, right. So, yeah, so I'm going first. to wipe out all the Amazons. All the Amazons? You mean the escaped subjects, don't you? No, I mean all of them. And he looks at Misazawa, so, and she reacts in a way that implies, oh, there are more Amazons than there are t the just the test subjects. At least that's what it implied to me. That's what it seemed like. Well, it seems like he also like kind of knew that Haruka wasn't a part of that, too, so... Yeah. Yeah, because there's no real other reason for her to react to it that way, unless she knows some sort of secret that neither of them are letting on yet. Uh, yes, then an alarm starts going off, and Misazawa's um, assistant comes in. He's like, hey, there's been an incident. The, the subject changed, 
and it's attacking people. The, <laughs> the the extermination team's fighting it, but there's a thing going on. I know I skipped ahead a little bit, but I definitely don't want to forget to mention that Misuzawa is like our plan, our our project to turn people into weird flesh eating monsters was going totally fine until you bro- like fucked it all up. Yeah, what the fuck? Great. It's very silly. <laughs> well, again, it's just like uh, as long as the project is gonna make the company money, she she doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> she not has very no much so. no ethical investment in the like question of whether they're hurting anyone or not is not relevant to her thought process. Not in the least, it seems. Uh. So Haruka makes, like, the conscious self-decision. He, he, like, starts going away to dro- go and help. And Jin's like, hey, no, I gave you that information. You should give me that hamburger now. <laughs> and Haruka just looks at him, holds it up, and eats the hamburger. God, I was so hoping he was going to card crush the hamburger. <laughs> but, uh, he devour- yeah, he, yeah, he eats it instead, which is, like, almost as good... I still think it's it would be better if he had, like, smashed it, but yeah. Well, he's gotta <laughs> eat. A... Yeah, well, that's the thing, is, is like, he ha- he hasn't eaten since he last transformed, so he does legitimately need to recharge, too. Yeah, and so he gives the thing of, like, you know, it. what you said was correct. Everyone needs to eat to survive, but what you and my mom are doing is you made a mistake and fucked up. And now you're just trying to base that over and get rid of things because they're inconvenient. I'm pretty sure I hate the two of you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Like, good, good for you, Haruka. I'm glad you have finally gained some perspective. I like that they came to that conclusion. And so, so I think that actually means more too. So, I got curious about about what the fuck Amazons are again. So I went back to the second episode where they explained what Amazons were, and um. They just say that they're a virus created by the company that feeds on human cells, you know, protein, but specifically human cells, and that the humanoid life forms they are fighting are Amazons. There's no mention of injecting shit into people. I think Amazons are just like, they just made them. I think so. Uh, I mean, like, they just, uh... You know, inject inject some of this virus into a hunk of proteins or something, and you've got an Amazon an hour later or whatever. Which, okay, I guess that works. Yeah, so I think... So that's one type, and then Jin is a human who injected Amazon cells into um, And then there's Haruka, which would be the third type. Yeah, which they haven't explained yeah. yet. So. so now, so that so that makes sense that like when the director was talking about how Amazons could um, blend into humans, because if they weren't humans originally, that now is a sentence that makes sense. Yeah, that also does account for the. Th- they do mention specifically three types, right? They they specifically say Haruka's the third type. Okay, so that definitely brings all that a little bit in more into perspective here. So that brings that into perspective, and also, that also kind of perspectivizes a thing, like, they just fucking, like, created a life form that can, like, think and shit? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I assume we're gonna go into the treading in God's domain thing a little bit. <laughs> Probably. We're because uh, if they so just it, like injected, if they made a virus, injected it into a slab of beef, and now have like a thinking, feeling being, we're uh, we're pretty far out there in the realm of uh, science yeah. sci-fi. Yeah, I think just that's before good. I read it as like as they were injecting into humans, but I don't think that's the case. I think Jin was the only one that did that, and then like they did something like what the other cells like form into these. There are probably others because the Jin's probably not the only human form. Amazon, you don't think, right? Well, thanks to Garrett, we know he's not. <laughs> Well, I mean, um, oh yeah, I guess at least there's his, uh, girlfriend too. Unless she was, uh, unless she's just, like, a meat person. Maybe she is a meat person. All persons are meat persons. They're made of meat. What? They're made of meat. Ah, uh, that's a classic short film. It is, it's really good. <laughs> uh, it cuts to the room where the extermination team is now fighting our big mosquito and not doing very well right up until Mamaru shows up and he's like oh hey guys I came to help Mamaru shut up transform get down here please <laughs> he's like I'm sorry I'm not in uniform it's it's okay <laughs> we need you we just need you, you rip it off anyway just get down here <laughs> He really, he really needs to invest in some more breakaway clothing. He does. <laughs> so he transforms, yeah. and he goes down and starts fighting, and just does pretty okay. Like, Mamaru seemed to me, seemed stronger right now. Yeah, he seems like he's doing better than usual in this fight. Especially considering Mosquito Guy seems like he's, uh, he's like a high-ranking monster or something. Not pretty high-ranking. I mean, we, do, we don't ever actually get... An actual description yeah. of his ranking. Yeah, they don't give him a rank, but uh, later in this fight sequence, he does more damage to Omega than any other thing we've seen. Also, he's he... more colorful. I, I have the theory that if you're more colorful, you're stronger. <laughs> Frog rules. Yep. I was just going to say we're going back and Hark is going to fucking slap his mom. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Haruka she... does the thing, um, he shows up while Mamoru's fighting the monster, and he, he gives the, the the speech, like the werewolf vampire speech, where he's like, if I ever go bad, you can be the ones to kill me and stuff. But oh, for does. now, I'm gonna fight on the side of goodness. Oh, this is, this is after, because Director Misazawa's like, oh, don't worry, Haruka, you're not like other Amazons, so you can just go on home. And tries to, like, lead him out the door. And he doesn't, like, actually slap her. He just kind of shoves her away. Yeah, he's just kind of like, fuck, fuck you. Well, he's, he's kind of just like, I'm not listening to you anymore. Yeah. Jin laughs. And Misazawa is look, very much looking like, oh, uh, huh? Oh, Jin, Jin's like, oh, you're siding with the Amazons? And this is where we get Haruka's first affirmation of, I'll hunt the, hunt, I'll hunt the ones that deserve to be hunted. Whether they're, no matter who they are, that means that Amazons aren't the only ones I'm going to be hunting. Which, oh, okay, that's actually good. Yeah, uh, going... 
does does he say I'll hunt who deserves to be hunt and protect who deserves to be protected, or am yep. I memorying false memorying the other half of that dialogue there? No, that's what he says. Okay, that's that's what I thought. Yeah, Which he... is a good hero line. I'm like, hey, Harka, baby Harka's growing up. He he's knows knows what he's doing now. Yep, he's ready to be a writer protagonist. Yep, he's like humans yes. are pretty shitty too. Some Amazons are shitty. I'll just uh, I'll get them both. <laughs> yeah. And this is and Jin basically looks at Misazawa and is like, oh, so. So he's not like you said. He wasn't like the other Amazons. You mean that means he's not like me, and he's not like the experiments. Yes, he's a third type of Amazon. Now there's a lot you're gonna have to tell me, Jin. I don't think you're gonna get the chance, Misazawa. Well, Jin's certainly not after of... the end of this episode. So yes, then Haruka shows up. He gives his big speech, and as he's winding down for the climax, they start to play the outro music. It's pretty cool. That's when you know shit gets real. <laughs> They're playing Armor Zone, which continues to be a banger. It's but- actually really good as a fight fight sequence music. I think I like it, it more as fight sequence music than as the ending music. But it's great. Though. But yeah, he, he gives his speech to the leader... To basically like, hey, is this is this a good enough reason for me to fight with you? Oh, I guess it's good enough for now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, what else was the captain going to say? That's is true. this a good enough reason for me to save your ass? Uh, yeah, sure. And anyway, if I become someone who e- eats people, I'd rather the people eliminate me be a group like this team than Jin. And it's... I, I get yeah that works. That's a good enough reason. Yep. So yeah, we get this man. I I've noticed the more because I'm rewatching, I have it running off to the side, and I've noticed the fighting in Amazon's. You know, we we get a lot of like actual choreographed almost martial arts fight scenes and a lot of the other common writer we watched I've, I've yeah i wrote down a comment too just like i appreciate how feral just amazons is yeah amazons is just kind of like they fling themselves at each other and they're rolling around on the ground and trying to beat people with their fists they're not they're not like using any actual fighting style they're just yeah they're being really really feral about it and it's really good yeah, it, it's it's basically they just like exaggerate just like regular fighting, which I think is a really cool like style for it. Yeah, it's a, a very interesting visual choice. I think it works really well. It, um, and this bit's uh, this fight sequence is a little different too, because um, like Haruka's suit actor to go along with the fact that he's like grown as a person makes his decision. He's a lot more directed in this sequence than he usually is in his Omega fight scenes. Like, he he still sort of fights the same way, but he's more effective because he's directing his energy better. Yeah, he's not just kind of flailing his limbs at the enemy that's nearby. He's actually trying to, like, throw punches and stuff. But they're, they're the Feral's type of punches. Yeah. Yeah. He still, like, weirdly pushes off of things and twists around in the air in unnatural ways. But he uh, kicks the crap out of the guy while he does it, so, you know. Pretty well. And then they have, like, what's maybe, like, the best shot in the episode, where they do, like, 
the zoom in to like uh, the eyes and then it shows like Haruka from inside the suit and he's smirking to show that like his feral side is enjoying the fighting. Oh yeah, that bit's pretty cool. I mean, I, I took it more as like right before this, the the actual Armazone song cuts out and it gets into a more like traditional combat music. And Haruka and the Mosquito seem to be fairly well matched as combat. Like, they're each getting hits off. And I took that, like, the scene going inside Haruka's mask comes when, like, the Mosquito is... Yeah, they're both choking each other. Yeah, has they've each grabbed each other around the neck. And I took that more as Haruka has been, quote-unquote, playing with his food. He's he has purposefully not tried as hard to keep the fight going. Maybe I don't know if that's what it actually is, but that's what it read like to me. Right? Yeah, because after they're wrestling for a while, Haruka gets on top of the mosquito guy, and he's like giving him a pretty serious beat down here. And this is when the mosquito guy whips out his secret techniques of first he he extends his antenna into these, like, whip things where he, like, raises Haruka up in the air on these whips and starts, like, choking him. And Haruka just, like, slashes them uh, pretty quickly. And then the the mosquito guy launches these spikes at him that we actually, like, they go straight through Haruka. Like, there are fairly large blood explosions <laughs> as these pass they, through his body. They look like shards of, they look like shards of glass from a Kiva monster. Right, yeah, yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, this guy does kind of look like a Kiva monster, but like yeah, he doesn't he have really the does. he doesn't have the Kiva problems, so I'm like, oh yeah, it's awesome. Like it's it's colored, meant to be like a butterfly wing, yeah. But even then, butterfly wings kind of look like stained glass, like windows. stained glass, yeah. yeah. And uh, the cool thing about these shards is like, it looks like such a it looks like a fighting game move because the camera cuts. To where they're both, like, in the middle of the frame in, like, a two-dimensional plane. And the guy does, like, he, he does a spin kick that launches the shards at Haruka. And it looks like he just hit the, like, he hit both kicks at the same time to do a special version of the move. Because <laughs> it, it flashes when it comes out of him. And then he spins around and does it again. So that's clearly why he loses this fight. He blows all his meter on this, <laughs> on these EX moves, and Haruka just trashes him after that. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, then we do the choking, where I think Haruka's, like, been playing with his food. I think it's um, a cool shot, nonetheless. No, it's a fantastic yeah. shot. Yeah, because see, he does, like, uh, when it when it goes into the mask, his eyebrows do the raise thing, where they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then he smirks. It's, it's, a, it's pretty neat. And then he murders <laughs> him. Yep, because the mosquito tries to, like, throw him. And he just, he, he gets thrown at a pillar after trying to do a kick. And Haruka just does a flip, lands on the pillar, and kicks off the pillar. And does a violent punish and slits the thing's neck. Right, yeah. There's a massive explosion of blood as it just collapses and melts. Yeah, this thing sprays blue blood everywhere, too, so. It looked a little more purplish to me, but that doesn't matter. I mean, blue, purple, just, it's not, it's not human blood. Yeah, it is very obviously non-human. It's Amazon blood. So Harka's just kind of panting as the extermination team comes up. And the, the punch lady is like, man, you really think it's a good idea to keep him around? 
He's just like, man, I don't know. No idea. But, <laughs> but if he goes bad and we take him out, we're going to get a huge bonus. And Mamoru is like, take him out? What do you mean? Where, where are we taking him? <gasps> well, well, we're we're taking him to dinner, Mamoru. It's okay. So, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna take him out to our house, and we're we're gonna have dinner with him. And Mamoru's like, "Oh yeah, I love having dinner with buddies." Yeah, come on. And he start he ru- starts running up to Haruka, like, "Misazawa, come on, let's go eat dinner together. We're a family now." Yeah, I like that. Like, and- Har- Haruka seems to like lose like his tension and intensity when like Mamoru w- runs up to him. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Man. another great little touch that you might not even like notice there. But at, from the second he kills the mosquito dude, he's crouched over and he's like got the his arms curled into like half circles and he's like panting, like he's still kind of in feral mode. But then Mamoru runs over towards him and is like, "Hey, let's go grab dinner!" And he stops. You see him stop, stand up, and like look at him like he's a person again. Yeah. Man, I I was half expecting him to attack. Mamaru. You can't do that like to I'm our really... little boy. <laughs> I I I was expecting him to and then it yeah, it surprised me that he he calmed down immediately. He's and a... I'm sitting here going Man, can you see the death flags for Mamaru? <laughs> I definitely uh, thought for a minute that something terrible might happen to Mamaru. <laughs> oh, something terrible is going to happen. I don't know. But man, is something terrible gonna happen to Mamaru and Haruka's gonna break. I hope nothing. I hope Haruka doesn't do it because that's his little bro, and he's gonna feel really bad about it if it's his fault. You know, I, I, I don't think Mamaru is gonna be the. I think Jin is gonna be the one to do it. Oh, that's extremely plausible. Yeah, I can definitely see Jin killing Mamaru and that just making Haruka flip the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is good. Oh, but, okay, so before the episode ends, there's the, the Oh, last... now we get to the secret best part of the episode. The secret best <laughs> yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, Mamoru and uh, and Haruka are walking back towards the team to, like, for the denouement shot. And then Shotgun Guy drives up and is like, you, you did the fight without me. Dude, <laughs> what the does heck? This I'm not going to get my cut? I'll be in trouble this month if I don't get paid. <laughs> You guys made me do this. <laughs> that that is not my favorite part. My favorite part comes up immediately yeah, I, after. I meant my my real favorite part. I thought we were getting to the part at the end. Cause we go back to Jin, who's who's in his room, and there is a and oh hey, look, it's the director of sales has come in. He's like, Hello, Jin. I've heard a lot about you, but this is... I need to introduce myself. Hello, I'm the director of sales. I've got an offer for you. Not interested. Yeah, no. But but you you haven't even heard the offer. No. No, sorry, my ride's here. Huh? Director turns around, and Nanaka's there. Nanaka? Nanaha. Nanaha is there, and she tases the fuck out of him into unconsciousness. (laughs) Yeah, because the the guy starts off with, "You're gonna be stuck in here until until you die if you don't listen to my proposal." And uh, Jen's like, mm, "Agree to disagree." <laughs> it's, are you fine with being stuck in here? No, but sorry, man, my ride's here. <laughs> yeah, now it just comes and tases the fuck out of him, and like Jin tries to like kiss her or something, and she just like shoves the thermos in his mouth instead that has the raw eggs oh. in it, and then she like tosses her glasses aside and like undoes her hair. 
to show, oh, if you if you didn't know, it's Nanaha. Yeah. And holy shit, this fucking jail cell is really easily broken into because all she does is rip out a cable. Yeah, she she and tears one cable and the electricity goes out. It's like they were just asking for him to break out of there. Pretty much, yeah. And he probably could have reached out because he had been reaching out to Haruka through like the cables. Yeah. He probably could have reached around and torn it out himself. It's not like a force field or anything. As long as he doesn't touch the cables, it's fine. But they they break out and start dri- get on motorcycle and start driving away. And Jin makes as he drives by the front goes, "Thanks for the room." <laughs> <laughs> I like how they toss their uh the lab code back onto the onto the uh parking really lot too. <laughs> Don't need this anymore. Pull up alongside Haruka and the extermination team. And he's like, hey, I escaped. Okay, bye-bye. I do like the pull up to Haruka and then just leaving. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great moment. And Haruka doesn't... The way Haruka, like, barely reacts to is is a cool little moment where he's just like, well, we're doing this, huh? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and, Har- and Jin and Nanaha turn off to the side as we go into the credits. And it's... Ugh. Extermination team calls him a bastard. <gasps> yeah, and we the preview for episode seven is Game of Butchers, which I'm like, okay, guys, it's a little bit of an edgy name, but okay. <gasps> oh, that's where you draw the line at edgy names. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty edgy, I gotta say. Dire it's, kill, it's Chris. Dire kill. I, I believe I also made fun of that one for being a little too edgy. Eyes in the dark. Eyes of the Dark is like super common poetic imagery, though. That's this. I feel like once you something's that overused, it's not that edgy. Just anymore. wait till we get to Into the Cannibals Pot. Oh my God, <laughs> that's a good one. That's oh, Jesus. That's a real one too that I just read. Okay, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, this was my favorite episode of Amazon so far. I really like this one. It was very fun. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, it's real good. I I think they. Uh, like, they, they did a really good job of bringing the little bits of Haruka's character that we've seen so far together into, like, a, a believable and understandable motivation for a writer protagonist. Which I thought they were going really slow at, but uh, it actually came together better than I was thinking. So, yeah. Props for that. Yeah, it's a, it's a good payoff. It is very much a... Amazon's is developing in a very fantastic way. Yeah. And, and just uh, what we see from Jen in this episode, just like... He already was kind of this weirdo, but like he's the stuff we see from him in this one sets him up as a perfect rival character. I really like that. So like, yeah, yeah. I I, I was I, I think they did they they went really far with what they'd set up in in this episode specifically. Did a good job. But yeah, uh, was there? I don't think there was anything we didn't cover. Uh, I could talk more about how cool that mosquito man is. How much I love his suit actor. His suit actor did a fantastic job. That's a real good episode. I'm very, I'm very pleased with the monsters so far in Amazon. They're good. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I wanted to be super nitpicky, I would be like, they kind of color graded the entire episode to be a little gray. Like, that's not super interesting if you just do it for the whole show. But like, eh, you know, hey, I'm getting I, real I, finicky there. <gasps> It feels very much like the color grading is 
very based around like the emotions that are going on and the theming of the show. I mean, because that's color theory for shows. Duh. But I don't know. It, it feels they're using green and red to denote whether it's closer to Jin or Haruka's moments. Right, right. I guess uh, like a lot of times when scenes feel extra gray, it, it kind of feels like they're doing it just because they, they want to be like, this is adult Kamen Rider, not kid Kamen Rider. You've seen kid Kamen Rider. This isn't like that. It's grayer. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let them off the hook. It's it's okay. They, they've been doing plenty of other stuff pretty well so far. Yeah, this show's good. I agree. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, yep. I think we can wrap there for this week. Uh, I think we covered everything in the episode pretty thoroughly, honestly. Yep. We are a podcast on the internet at journeythroughduckcast.com where there's links to all of the things, links to all of the podcatchers, links to all the Twitters. You know the deal. And uh, next time we'll be back with more Common Rider. Hooray. And uh, until next time, we've just been a passing through podcast. Remember that. Bye. Don't be mean to people just because they're not human. <laughs>